Welcome to Clock Tower Radio at clocktower.org. I'm David Colosi, and I'm here talking with uh, Jen Ray, the grand wizard herself, artist extraordinaire, uh, who has an exhibition opening um, on October 8th that runs till November 7th, uh, 2015, at Albert's Benda Gallery at 515 West 26th Street in Chelsea here in New York. And uh, this is Jen's first solo show in New York, but she's had many... uh, shows she's been showing extensively in germany and europe and uh it just took new york this long to kind of catch up with their juggernaut (laughs) so (laughs) totally (laughs) finally they're they're grabbing on grabbing hold of the back and hanging on uh and her work is integrates a lot of things drawing painting sculpture performance rock and roll feminism fascism magic and ritual and uh for some reason a lot of meat so maybe we'll talk about that uh, and you can check out her work at albertsbenda.com uh, and alberts is a z instead of an s and jenrayart.com and also wintropgallery.com so welcome jen thank you very much dave right. we've known each other for a long time so i know yeah like i can be comfortable that's with why you. we're going to make this very stilted and uncomfortable great perfect <laughs> that's how i like it so the first thing i wanted to ask you the title of your show is deep cuts yes uh and i just wanted to maybe have you talk a little bit about the title and then also just you talk about the work and how it integrates all these uh, the drawings the the ceramic axes which are spectacular um uh t-shirt installation a whole bunch of things so start with deep cuts and then take us wherever we go <laughs> oh, God. Uh, well deep cuts um is basically a continuation of the titles that i have for my exhibitions that relate to music but also have kind of double meanings about um the work itself but deep cuts i i I think what i'm trying to say is that there's a lot of very meaningful work in the show and very emotional work um and i hope that i went a little um literally and figuratively deeper than some of my better known work so you know of course the deep cuts can also mean the the lesser played uh, songs on a record or on the radio. So it always relates to that. My other show titles, um, for instance, the show I had before this was called Hits. Mm-hmm. So I showed a lot of work, which I think um, for me is like more of my iconic work really known. So again, the the word hits. But um, I've also had a show, uh, I think my first show in Berlin is was Velvet Ropes uh-huh. or Velvet Rope. And so, of course, I'm always referring to this idea of um, something outside of a music venue or a club and, and what that means to be inside the rope or outside the rope. Right, right. Who gets in, who, who gets in, who yeah. gets out. And um, kind of the glamour of that also. Um, I had a show called Play Loud, uh-huh. you know, which I love that terminology. It was on a record I had as a kid, Play yeah. Loud. Even when I was, um, maybe I was 12, 13, and, and it said this on the record. And I thought, wow, what a great direction. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Play yeah. Loud. And... Um, so I think all of my work, I, I basically try to create this world or this environment so it all works together. Uh-huh. So when you say I, I make you know, a performance, video, drawing, those porcelain axes, I actually think of it all as one right, big yeah. world that, that um, the objects speak to each other. Yeah, yeah. It's part of a, uh, like a cosmos or something. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. And the... Um, I mean, the deep cuts, too. Well, yeah, what you were saying about the music reference, 
yeah, it seems like each of your shows, there's always some reference to records or music or, um, and most of them with the performance, there's uh, a musician or a singer reinterpreting a song. Like one of them, I think was 96 Tears. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, what's the Black Sabbath one? Is it also Sweet Tears or something um, like that? No, it says Sweet Leaf. <laughs> sweet Leaf. Yeah, I just want to keep putting tears in there. I know. <laughs> sweet that Leaf. one's about weed, Dave. Oh. <laughs> that was oh, the, I yeah. I finally get it. <laughs> I know, right? I'm here to tell you about yeah. it. Well, I mean, okay, not that you've actually asked me a question about that, well, but we were, going there. Uh, we're heading that way. I mean, I mean, I know a lot of people that are in, in music. I actually don't play, but, of course, I love music, and I always want to bring the feeling of music into the artwork itself. I feel like people relate to music in such a passionate, passionate way. And art, art seems a lot of times so much more cerebral, cold. Uh -huh. And so when I set out to start creating, especially solo shows, I wanted to somehow marry these two worlds together and have the same passion you feel in music come over into the artwork itself. And I guess also, you know, during your formative years, um, you have such a passionate connection to music. I mean, you you feel like it, literally the songs are speaking to you. Yeah. And I don't know. Somehow I wanted to capture that. I mean, I, I'm never really sure if I get everyone to make that connection, but I hope so. Yeah. Between the music world and my own work. And I did drawing. I've always done drawings, but I felt like after a while I had to expand the universe and include music like the the drawings had a mu kind of a music and then uh -huh. i had to um do some performances that were based on the drawings and kind of turn it into something um three-dimensional and having a soundtrack yeah and then saying something with the song I, I kind of recraft the songs to make a statement um like a, to me it's a conceptual statement just like you'd make any other kind of artwork yeah and the the songs how do you choose the songs is it just the, like that nostalgia from you love the song when you were a kid, or you love you, you love the song today, or it's like more complex with the lyrics or something. It's it's more complex, but it actually ties into all of that. Like the song "Sweet Leaf." Um, <laughs> um, growing up, I had a lot of friends that were really into metal, and in this kind of metal that was kind of like the pre hair metal days. It wasn't mm -hmm. glamorous. It was like a yeah. very much rougher, darker type of metal that was mostly um, adopted by poor white kids right. essentially no on the front of corvettes and no i mean <laughs> and um you know our oh i shouldn't say our primary drug dealer at our school anyway his name <laughs> he shall remain his nameless his phone number he, he, i i'm business. facebook friends with him but um anyway you know he used to love that song sweet leaf and everybody would scratch it into their desk and write it on their book and uh -huh. and i never really had any connection with it other than it was around me yeah and then as an adult, I really started thinking about the power of these songs, and um, they're very talismanic to, to people, and especially boys. Yeah. You know, I had a couple of girls that I knew that were also into metal, but mostly it was, it was they were boys, teen yeah. boys. And so I really started thinking about it and kind of dissecting the lyrics, and then um, I became interested in the idea of a, a love song not written to a, a woman, but instead written to a drug, basically, uh -huh. and how interesting it, it is to make that the focus of your worship. Right. And, and I felt like the teen boys that I knew in school back then were also making that a bit of the focus of their worship, and girls really didn't have a place in that world. Uh -huh. So. I just started thinking about like the whole idea about gender and also my youth and about metal and about 
the meaning of these songs and even about um, class issues yeah. of like poor white youth. Right. You know? So it kind of like, and then also, of course, there's a nostalgic element for me as well because yeah. it relates back to my early uh, teen teendom. Right. So that's just one example, but I kind of come to each one with like a different kind of feeling. Yeah. I mean, back to the deep cuts thing and this too, it's like there's in the drawings, there's always this sort of, there's this sort of warrior aspect to it. There's this Mm -hmm. military aspect, which people talk about a lot. But then there's also just like this scene where it just looks like yesterday was the best party (laughs) ever. And it's like afterwards, it's just like, wow, you know, people are, you know, some people are dressed in military uniforms uh some people are you know versions of them let's say and i think that's important they're very idiosyncratic the fashion is very idiosyncratic it's not regular but then at the same time you know there's this warrior aspect and then the the rock concert aspect um and part of the warrior thing i was wondering well you know you never there's there are women shooting you know lasers or there's a lot of axes and a lot of weaponry but there's no like opponent in the same way that in a you know in a, a party there's no opponents to a party really. <laughs> so I guess no. I was just wondering about that. So I mean there are the cops, whatever. Your parents, your, <laughs> your parents. parents. So there's like, I was going to say and there's the a neighbors. lot of opponents. The yeah, neighbors, yeah. the the group down the street that they don't like you, they're going to come and beat yeah, your ass. I right. don't know. There the is it a party opponent. I never really thought about it until now, but I, I like that you bring it up. Yeah. The party opponents. <laughs> Um, anyway, wait, what was your yeah. question? <laughs> so I guess I was just asking about that, that sort of comparison between the, you know, the, the fight and then the party. Um, and the, I guess the organization in both of them, where in one instance, maybe they're organized to accomplish a certain task, where in the other one and the party, they're also organized to accomplish a certain task, but it's very just a different kind of thing so just kind of comparing those two things the warrior and the party mm-hmm. <clears throat> i mean um let's see well i mean the it is to a certain extent a, a spectacle regardless and i'm not sure um i mean i feel really ambivalent about violence and you know in in a way i make it into a playful violence and i think also um when people get together for an event or a party or even a fight, you know, there's a lot of posturing. There's the possibility for violence. I mean, this, maybe this just shows what kind of parties I used to go to. (laughs) Again, in my youth, a fight would always, like a fist fight would break out. Um, But, um, and yeah, I never have uh, the people in my scenes are not fighting each other. You know, they're usually either guarding, protecting, or it's after some battle. And I really don't want you to see, 
who they're against. Yeah. I don't know. For some reason, for me, that's not that important. I never really think about it, like who the enemy is. Uh-huh. It, to me, the most crucial thing is that the female characters I have, they, they're not um, they're not against each other. They haven't mm-hmm. turned against each other, even though they're part of like a ragtag army. I mean, to me, it's a, a rebel army or these are rebel warriors. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, again, everything goes back to like, you know, well, your early your early days. But we, um, since I'm from the South, we have these kind of rebel heroes, and we always learned about them in history that you probably would never learn anywhere else. Like, yeah. we have this one hero um, called uh, Francis Marion, and he led this ragtag band of, of uh, fighters, and they would hide in the trees and shoot at people, and they had, like, torn uniforms. Yeah. And then... Um, the British came and they were had like very particular all red outfits. You know that this is Revolutionary War. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Something like that really stuck with me. Even when I was a kid, I liked to read about like Harriet Tubman because, you know, because what she was doing was so different. She was like a singular woman, which is unbelievable. Yeah. And then she was like running through the nights, um, you know, doing something incredibly dangerous um, and doing it over and over again. Yeah. And, and so even. Even early on, I was always fascinated by this um, kind of rough, rebellious hero that that also that also had problems too. Yeah, like I'm very interested in like feet of clay, always. Um, uh-huh. So like if you go back and read about Francis Marion, I don't, I don't really think he was a particularly very nice person. I think he has a lot of you know it's a lot of flaws. a lot of flaws. So yeah. I'm always interested in also people doing things that are wrong or making huge mistakes uh-huh. and and i feel like the characters in my work they they are making mistakes um even a lot of my work has this thing about the you know an apocalyptic world and then the female characters are rebuilding that world mm-hmm. but i'm not saying they're doing any better job than anyone else actually in the drawings i'm saying they're probably making the same terrible mistakes that yeah. all humans <laughs> would make if given the chance to start over yeah yeah because all those myths and and historical stories are kind of wiped of all that all the messy bits it's like it was perfect yeah right and but then we dig deeper now we're like hey it turns out that guy killed five people that were innocent i don't know it's (laughs) it's just a funny i've always been interested in that people that um you know appear to be heroic but you know just just are a mess yeah just just a mess (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) so i guess i'll take a minute to um Say again that uh, I'm David Colosi interviewing Jen Ray for Clock Tower Radio at clocktower.org. Um, and she has an exhibition opening uh, October 8th through November 7th uh, at Albert's Benda Gallery in Chelsea at 515 West 26th Street. Um, and we're talking about a variety of things. But I wanted to talk about um, fashion of your characters a little mm. bit. Um, and first start with the question is like, have you ever had someone come up to you and say, oh, I saw your drawings, but I expected you to have like an orange mohawk or <laughs> sparkly tights or something. Do they, do they think of you as, as embodying the fashion of your characters? No, not really. I do think that sometimes people, I, don't, I know this is going to sound weird, but I do think some people think I'm a man occasionally. Interesting. Because huh. I... I mean, I grew up with the name. Like heavy metal <laughs> album covers or something? Yeah, I mean, it's a very, it's the work is feminine, but at the same time, I, I don't know. I've, I've had people surprised to meet me huh. 
but I, I've, I'm not going to speculate on who I, I think they think I, what, well, you know, like I thought she was a 20 year old Japanese little girl right. that liked manga. Um, but anyway, <laughs> right. um, yeah. no, I don't know. It's like the gender thing's funny. Cause I do think some people thought I would think I'll be a man when they, huh. when they meet me for whatever reason, but no, um, I mean, in the art world, too, you really never know what someone's going to look like behind yeah, the work. Right. And I know you've probably been surprised, too. You yeah, meet yeah. somebody and you're like, whoa, what? Yeah. <laughs> you made that? Yeah. Um, so not really. Although people do talk about the fashion to me sometimes. Yeah. You know, directly ask me about it, like where yeah. I get my ideas or and if I like fashion. Minnesota or something. So yeah. Right. Your ideas, right? <laughs> where do I shop. get those ideas? <laughs> yeah. uh, I just think it up. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they, that's definitely... And again, like the fashion world, it isn't just pure fashion. You know, it's this idea of like, what is fashion and what does it say about someone? And this crossover between fashion as uniform and uniform as uniform, you know, Uh and what you can take on and take off and put on and like how that changes your persona. Um, I'm, I'm really interested in that, how you can transform yourself through fashion. Yeah. Yeah. And fashion as costume, either in daily life or also, you know, for the stage. Um, And I guess, like, with some of the characters, um, well, I guess, how do you, like, with your personal fashion sense, like, in the world, the way you put yourself through the world versus the way you sort of dress your characters, is there a relationship? Are you... um, um, are your your characters kind of living out some things you'd like to try, <laughs> or I don't know. And I was going to remind you that this is radio, so I can say I'm wearing yeah whatever. If I'm I'm wearing purple platform boots with giant silver stars. Yeah, on and them your mohawk and is actually hitting the chandelier. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, so. I mean I, I not so much fashion wise, but definitely yeah. Of course, these are a little bit alter ego kind of right. um, characters. So I mean, that is the nice thing about art is that you can. If you decide to go that way, you can live out some of your fantasies through the artwork. So, yeah, I could, I mean, in a way, every character in the works are, they're a little bit of me. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but, but I just have to sit in a, in a studio right. and work on them. You yeah. know, I'm not out there doing that. Yeah, yeah. Um, although I do like to occasionally do some things I've never done before. So, and, and things that would be kind of unusual for me. So, for instance, in the summertime, I learn how to shoot guns, you uh-huh. know, for instance. Like, yeah. I'm not, you know. Which could inform the drawings, which, for sure. <laughs> well, I don't think it's fair, you know, if, I, if I'm if i drawing weaponry, right. you know. And I'm, I mean, I have shot a gun, but I actually went to shoot, um, you know, um, more like automatic weapons or handguns. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I don't. It's all I didn't. Grenades, rocket launchers, <laughs> yeah, exactly. that kind of stuff. Never really exactly. fired a BB gun. Though. You know, it is actually <laughs> love a BB gun. Trust me on that one. That was. It's an, but I mean, I have a again, like all of my work. You know, I have a very conflicted relationship with weapons and particularly yeah. guns. Yeah. I mean, politically, I have a major problem yeah, yeah. with guns, but. Um, you know, if it's something that I'm depicting, I, I really don't think it's fair that I, you know, not have my hands on a weapon. Right. I understand guns and the yeah. power of guns and the psychological power and like the literal power, you know, being of hurting someone with, with a gun. But yeah. um, so anyway, I, I like to like it, that I feel like informs my work. I try to go back like let, let's circle back to the meat pieces. Right. You know, I have I include a lot of meat um, partly because, 
you know, it is a bit of a ragtag army and you do need food. And so it's a little bit of a reference to an army travels on its stomach. Also mm-hmm. this idea that um, that our bodies are flesh. You know, I'm really interested in this idea that we're just flesh, you know, yeah. and we're very vulnerable. And also that a lot of us ingest flesh, which I find very strange, mm-hmm. you know, um, <laughs> that we... You know, there's. Uh, I was a vegetarian. There's. I know a million vegans, and vegetarians. But you know, to consume flesh is very, very strange thing to do. Although we yeah. do it. But um, anyway, so it, so it plays a lot uh, on this idea of the body and and our weaknesses and uh-huh. that yeah, we can be hurt very easily by weapons. By weapons. Sure. Yeah. Uh huh. Um. Yeah, because the meat in the drawings, like no one's really eating, but they're like mountains and mountains of meat. <laughs> and then, to to be fair, they're also mountains and mountains of books. Right. They're like in some drawings, or exactly, um, or just feathers, or mm. there's a lot of glitter too. There's a, <laughs> it's like glam rock. <laughs> there's a lot me. of there's a lot of books because I, you know, I mean, no artist wants to talk about things literally, but um, of course, I always feel like all of the knowledge that we need to live in a good way or even to be good people or do the right thing Mm -hmm. it's there you know we have it it's just uh, and when i show these books it's just an idea a representation that we know the right things to do but we somehow neglect to do them half the time you know a lot of times the books someone's reading a book like especially i feel like if i'm talking about okay these people are going to start a new world right so they're they need access to knowledge. So you'll see like a woman reading a book, but then you'll also see a book covered with debris or or you'll see a pile of books that are half burned or covered in trash, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's this like kind of selective way we pull out knowledge for ourselves and like neglect a lot of things that we could use to be better people or to make a better place. Right. Or learn, read lessons of the past, but Exactly. Sort of it, not really. Right. It's a, it, them or it, exactly. Like it's yeah. all there. We know it. Yeah. But still, we make the same flaws. Or... Same damn mistakes <laughs> all the damn time. Yeah. You know, and me included. I mean, we all do it, and it's yeah. like, yeah, we should know better. Yeah, to have that expectation of perfection yeah. is sort of unreal. Right. And I also have like also in the drawings, you know, you'll see computers and yeah. monitors. You'll see keyboards and phones, and sometimes again, people are using them. Other times, they're just completely trashed. Yeah. So. You know, also I'm talking about the trash of the world, right. detritus and sort of debris, debris, and um, you know we built up all of these things. And uh, but yeah, but it's also uh, it's also a symbol for knowledge, information sharing, yeah, um, modernity, technology, yeah, the whole the whole shebang, the whole ball <laughs> of wax. All right. Well, I think um, we're gonna wind it up there. Oh. Um, I mean, we could go on for hours, I think. <laughs> we'll talk later. Yes, we'll talk later. Um, but just to remind uh, everyone that uh, Jen Ray's show is at Albert's Benda at 515 West 26th Street in Chelsea, in New York. Uh, it runs from October 8th to November 7th, 2015. Um, and the you can look at her work at albertsbenda.com or jenrayart.com. And thank you so much, Jen. Wait, I have one more thing to yes, say. Yes, please. So the night of the opening, this Thursday, we're having a performance by Honeychild Coleman and Amor Schumacher and a lot of wonderful, wonderful volunteers. And she's doing, Honey Honeychild Coleman is doing a rendition of the song American Woman in a uh, very 
punk rock, out of control, wild, super loud way. So yeah. don't miss it. Yeah. Also, if you go to generateart.com, you can see the previous performances and the previous musical uh, aspects of the shows. Um, and I'm sure this one will be there also. So thank you. No, thank and, you. And uh, the show's going to be great. Great. It was fun. Yeah. See you there. All right. Familiar, do I know you? Oh, yeah, you-